0: Hello, real life family. Great to see you today. I pray that uh, things are going well for you, and that God is moving strong in your life. Uh, Today, I want to start a new series called Spirit Living. Uh, We're remember, just several weeks ago, we had Easter Sunday, and I want to just revisit kind of that part of history of our of our faith and bring that into the present day of reality for you and for me with regards to knowing and living in the Holy Spirit. So let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us today, your Holy Spirit. We thank you that today is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is today. We are living in the season and the day and the period of time in which you are filling us and moving upon us by your Spirit. And I pray for your word to come alive in us today, that you'll open up our hearts of understanding that we see more clearly, and that you just fill us and renew us with your Holy Spirit. So we have the power uh, to do and to live the way you've called us to to live and to do the things you've called us to do. we just offer ourselves to you today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, so I wanna start this series called Spirit Living, Living a Lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit and living a life of great fruitfulness and power. That's what God has for you and for me. So it goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It actually goes even further back than that. But think about Easter. Think about the early believers, the disciples, the apostles. Jesus rose from the from the dead on Easter, and over the course of 40 days, he was appearing to them. So We're at the resurrection of Jesus. He rises from the dead. There's this revelation that um, our sins can be forgiven through faith in Jesus. He is the promised Messiah. There's no doubt about it. He's he's been raised from the dead. He's appearing to them over the course of 40 days. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. They're understanding the revelation of God's prophecies and all the word and all all what he's sharing to them is just blowing their minds and they're just, you know, drinking from a a fire hydrant, right? I mean, there's all this truth, all this power, all this revelation coming to them like this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. He's talking to us. He's alive. Look at the scars. I mean, can you imagine those 40 days of, of just living in this Great awe and wonder of what is happening here. What is going on? What's next? The Messiah has come. We have seen him. We've talked to him. We're talking with him. He's here. He's teaching us. He's, he's telling us of, of the things that are going to happen in our lives. What in the world is going on? And so all of this stuff is happening for them. And then they see Jesus ascend into heaven before their very eyes, and he had given them some last instructions. And those instructions were to wait. In Jerusalem until they receive the promised Holy Spirit until they receive power from on high to be his witnesses to have the power the same power that Jesus had to do the same things that Jesus was doing and so they saw him so now we're 40 days into it and on our Christian calendar this year uh, we celebrate the day of Pentecost on May 28th so next Sunday is Pentecost, right? So we're in this season of time, and at this time in the disciples' experience, the first time here was they had seen Jesus ascend into heaven. They had heard the last instructions Jesus gave them. So they go to Jerusalem, they're gathering together every day. They're gathering together, waiting with great anticipation, with wonder. Uh, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're expecting, they're trying to figure out what's going on and they're all together and this goes on one day second day the third day now we're into 10 days of them gathering together not knowing what to do except to wait they're waiting for the holy spirit to show up what is that going to be what's that going to look like how is this going to what's going to happen how will we know you know all these different thoughts that they're 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 probably just not knowing what's going to happen right And then finally, we get to the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two, uh, verses one to four. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, above each of them, right? And all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages or tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And there are people from all over the world, different parts of different nations, that had gathered together for this uh, special festival called Pentecost in Jerusalem. Three times a year, people, all Jews from all over the world at that time would come in pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate these high festivals. This was one of them. And so you have people, the Bible says... Uh, They were from all over the place, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, all kinds of, you know, Cyrene, all these different parts from Egypt, Pamphylia. I can't pronounce them all, but they're from all over the place. And they heard this noise. They heard this commotion. They came to where the disciples were, and they heard them speaking in their native language, all these different languages of the world, different, like maybe Peter was speaking the language of the Cyrenes, I don't know, and, and uh, maybe John was speaking in the language of the Egyptians, and this, you know, they were all speaking in these different foreign languages, but they were all speaking and declaring the wonders of God. And it was a, it was a massive, God-ordained, holy moment of evangelizing all the nations of the world all at once with all the people with their own languages. And there were some skeptics skeptics in the crowd making fun of them, saying they were drunk, but that wasn't true at all. And Peter got up and he addressed them filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preached the first message that we see Peter preached, recorded in Acts chapter 2. And he says, this, we're not drunk as you suppose, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes a prophecy from the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And P- Peter gets up and basically says, this is, this is that moment right here. This is what's happening right in front of your eyes. This prophecy is being fulfilled. It's happening right now. God is pouring out a spirit on all people. And he goes on to testify that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one who came and was crucified and died for our sins. And all who would believe in him, all who would have faith in him, would be saved and forgiven of their sins. And so G- uh, Peter preaches a sermon and, um, and it cuts people to the heart and they respond in a great and powerful way. And in verse 38 uh, or in verse 37, they say, to Peter, what shall we do? In verse 38, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And this was the birth of the church as we know it today. 3,000 people were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit that day, in addition to all the apostles and the believers that were gathered together, some 120 in what we call the upper room. And the church was born through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the prophecy that Joel uh, had given hundreds of years before was being uh, fulfilled on that very day And the Holy Spirit began to fill people Wow so this is when it all started so we're gonna come back to this later but today's message is that the day of Pentecost is today in other words this is the era of human history we're living in now we are living in a time in which the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all people it wasn't always this way I want to go back to the Old Testament and let's just look at the Spirit and how do we relate to the Holy Spirit? But this is how it was, uh, how people related to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon people in the Old Testament. For instance, I'll give you some examples. The Holy Spirit empowered Joseph, in Genesis forty-one verse thirty-eight. Pharaoh asks uh, the people around him, says, "Can anyone find anyone like this man?" He's talking about Joseph, one in whom is the Spirit of God. And you remember the story of Joseph, of course, he, uh, God was with him even though he was sold into slavery, even though he was falsely accused by Potiphar, even though he was thrown into jail, even though he was ignored by um, you know the, 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 the deal he made um, with the uh, the. Uh, the uh, drink the uh the wine tester you know for pharaoh that when he gets out he would remind pharaoh of this man he met joseph who doesn't belong there all these things were going against him but the whole time god was orchestrating joseph's life and then pharaoh has these dreams and and uh you know the the taste tester is oh yeah hey i know a guy you know i know a guy that that has the ability to interpret dreams well he didn't have the ability the Holy Spirit upon Joseph's life had the ability. and So Pharaoh calls him up, remember? And he, he, and he says, oh, no, no, Pharaoh, I can't do that. But the Lord can. And so the Holy Spirit enabled Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh says, is there anybody else like this? Anybody know anybody else in whom the Spirit of God is in? And so the Holy Spirit came upon Joseph and God used him. The Holy Spirit used him to not only uh, save you know, the the Egyptians from the the catastrophic, you know, uh, events that were going to take place of seven years of famine after seven years of uh, abundance, but also to save his family. And so, wow, so the Holy Spirit came upon Joseph. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit also empowered the craftsmen who were uh, building the tabernacle at the direction of God. And Moses in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 6 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts, and so we don't, we don't often think about God filling someone with a spirit in order to carve something or to uh, melt and mold something or to craft something. But that's what God did because he had designs that he wanted perfectly done for his dwelling place, the tabernacle. And so God filled Bezalel with the spirit. He also filled other workmen and craftsmen with his spirit to empower them to do something physical to do something of great skill and perfection that they could not have done without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Joseph could not have interpreted those dreams without God doing it. These guys could not have built the tabernacle with the skill level that they had without the Holy Spirit. It's pretty exciting. Now, there's many examples in the Old Testament. We're not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to give you a couple more just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. The Holy Spirit empowers Moses and all the leaders of Israel. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 to 17, the Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and i will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone in other words god put his spirit not just upon moses but upon the 70 elders so they could lead the people with god's help they could not have done this without god Moses could not have led the nation of Israel without God's help, not in a righteous way, not in the right way, but only through God's anointing, through his, through his Holy Spirit, through him and through the leaders. And that's what we look for too, is uh, of whom has God poured his spirit out upon us? Because the church, even today, our church, real life, and any other church is meant to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, not by a man, not by a woman, not by a person, not by a committee but by the Holy Spirit. That's my responsibility, is to seek the Lord's direction through the Holy Spirit on what he wants me to share with you, what he wants our church to do and be a part of. That's what our elders' responsibility is, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to seek the will of God, not to be a leader of flesh and you know to come up with our own ideas or to do what we want to do or we think we should do, but to hear from heaven and to lead by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not perfect, but that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do, right? And so that's what God wants from his leaders is to let him lead through them. Amen. That's what God wants for you as a husband and his wife and as parents is to lead your home through his spirit, through his wisdom, through his anointing, through his power. The Holy Spirit also empowered Joshua, who succeeded Moses, if you recall. Numbers 27, 15 to 18, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, now, my, my Bible says spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. But, but when I looked it up in the Hebrew, it just says, in whom is the spirit. And so Joshua was filled with the spirit of God. It says in Deuteronomy 34, 9, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. And so, the, so then the succession of leadership, again, wasn't just man to man. It was Holy Spirit, continuing to be the Holy Spirit in a new man. <laughs> okay? So there's so many examples in the Bible, in the Old Testament. All the judges had the Spirit come upon them at different times. One particular uh, interesting character was Gideon. Holy Spirit came upon Gideon. Judges 6, 34 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizurites to follow him. And if you know the story of Gideon, it's an incredible story. God led him to deliver Israel uh, out of the hands of the enemy. And at first, the odds were 32,000 against 135,000. Not very good odds, right? So Gideon had an army of 32,000 going against 135,000. So that's about roughly four to one odds, okay? Four four of them for every one of us. Not too many of us would want to pick that battle, But God's like, no, 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 you got too many people. (laughs) So he tells Gideon, tell everybody who's afraid, go home. So 22,000 people leave. So there's only 10,000 left. Now it's 10,000 against 135,000. Again, that's what, 13.5 of them to one of us? Wow, that's like way worse and no thank you, right? And God says, no, 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 you still have too many people. I don't want anybody to take any credit for this except for me So go down to the river, have them drink, da-da-da. And the the people that drink like this way, those are the people I want you to choose. How many many people did he end up with? 300. What are the odds, 300 against 135,000 people? 450 to one. 450 for every one person in Gideon's army. And God, of course, triumphed and made it clear that this is not about man's effort. It's not about man's power. It is about him. It's about his spirit. And his spirit came upon Gideon. There ain't no way anybody would take that on without knowing for sure this is of God. And they were he was anointed by God. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He was given divine direction and, and, uh, and insight into what to do and how to do it. And their weapons were jars, trumpets, and torches. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, you, know, you can read about the story in Judges chapter 6. Just amazing. Amazing. That's what God does when we get out of the way of the arm of flesh and we let the Holy Spirit live through us, right? So the Holy Spirit empowered many other people. Another character he empowered was Samson. Many of you know the story of Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in powerful ways, one time it says the, 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 Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. And, uh, and, and so we, we, there's some uh, crazy stories about Samson's life. The Holy Spirit empowered Saul, the first king of Israel. The Holy Spirit empowered David, the second king of Israel. The Holy Spirit empowered Elijah in all of the uh, crazy miracles that God did through his life. The Holy Spirit came upon Elisha and many other people. Another one, the Holy Spirit empowers a a man named Jehaziel, who was a prophet at that time, to embolden King Jehoshaphat to victory. In 2 Chronicles 20, verses 14 to 15, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And so King Jehoshaphat put his faith in God, believed in God, again, in spite of the incredible odds against him and his people, and God did a miracle and delivered. Uh, Israel out of the hands of the enemy and a prophet spoke that boldness out had a word from God from the Holy Spirit The Spirit of God came upon him and he spoke directly a word directly to the king that emboldened him and encouraged him the Holy Spirit empowers Daniel uh, remember it says of Daniel in Daniel chapter 5 verse 14 I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight intelligence and outstanding wisdom and when I think of Daniel's life and I think of Joseph, Joseph's life, I think of a lot of similarities where these were two young men that were um, taken out of their natural and, and uh, culture and thrust into a foreign government in which God had divine purposes for their life. And they just went up, 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 up to the very top to be able to influence those kingdoms and those empires and those, those moments with what God wanted to accomplish. And Daniel uh, also had the ability to understand dreams and to, uh, from the Holy Spirit upon his life. And the Holy Spirit empowers Zerubbabel to lead the people in the rebuilding of the temple. In Haggai, verses 1 to 14, it says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So God came upon all these people at this time, and they began. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And at some point, an angel of the Lord comes through the prophet Zechariah and re-encourages Zerubbabel with these words. Zechariah 4.6 So he said to me, This is um, Zechariah now speaking the word of the Lord from the angel to, um, to Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What a great reminder. When we begin to get started on a work of God that we feel God has called us to, whatever that is. And we begin to get weary or discouraged we need to be reminded it's not by my might it's not by my power but it is by the Spirit of God Wow so this is the Old Testament now there's just a couple of observations I want to make about the Holy Spirit coming upon people in the Old Testament number one the anointing of the Holy Spirit with power was not universal to all people I have Dozens of examples, and you can find these in your own uh, own Bible, of, of the Holy Spirit coming upon people, but the Holy Spirit did not come upon everybody. It was not universal. It, it wasn't something that everybody could look forward to, knowing a relationship of the Spirit of God coming upon them. That wasn't the case in the Old Testament. These were moments of God moving among people, but it wasn't for everybody. To be quite frank, Though we have many examples of the Holy Spirit coming upon people in the Old Testament, these are but a fraction of the people that existed at the time. And most of the examples of when the Holy Spirit came upon people were the prophets, the priests, and the leaders, like the judges and the kings. That's what we see the Spirit of God coming upon to lead the people to, from the position of leadership so that all the prophets, obviously, were led by the Spirit of God. Every prophet, that's what made them a prophet, is the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke the words of God or they acted out what God wanted them to do. That's why they are known as a prophet. So every one of them had the Spirit of God upon them. There are some priests like Samuel, uh, who you'll see and other, other priests um, that I read a, a couple of different examples where the Spirit of God came upon them. And then you have the judges and you have some of the kings where you see the scripture saying the Spirit of God came upon them. But it wasn't for everyone. That's just, that's just how it is in the Old Testament. Okay, keep that in mind. The second observation I want to make is the anointing of the Holy Spirit was not continual or constant in people's lives. It seems to be intermittent. One of the best examples of that is Samson. Now, Samson, he he was a stinker, you know, and the spirit of God would come upon Samson and he would do these great feats. And then it's almost as if then he just kind of lived his life. And then the spirit of God would come upon him and he would do something else incredible. But he wasn't faithful uh, to serve God. He wasn't pure in heart. He wasn't living a righteous life. And, uh, and at one point in time, the Bible even says in Judges 16.20, that after he gave away the secret of his hair to Delilah and she cut his hair off, he didn't even realize that the Spirit of God had left him. Judges 16.20 says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Lord left him. What a sad sentence. One of the saddest sentences in the Bible. He didn't even know. He wasn't even attuned to the Spirit of God at that point in his life just because of his Ca- casual you know, attitude towards towards his calling uh, from God, and he lost it. But interestingly enough, at the very end of his life, he cried out to God, and God came upon him one more time, one final time, and the Spirit of God came upon him for a final act of judgment, if you will, against the Philistine army. Also, King Saul experienced the leaving of the Spirit of God. King Saul This is an amazing story about him. Uh, The Bible says that when he first um, uh, came into the awareness of the Holy Spirit, um, I'm trying to find it real quick in my notes. Not sure where I put it. He was changed into a new person. Oh, here it is. So 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, 9, and 10. It says the Spirit of the Lord. This is Samuel speaking to Saul, the prophet Samuel speaking to Saul just as he is calling him to be the king. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, you and you will be changed into a different person. God changed his heart. The Spirit of God came upon him in power. So Saul, the first king, was filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came upon him in great, powerful ways. And yet, he also sinned. He also strayed from honoring God. And it says here in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So it was like he had this, and then it was taken away. There wasn't a continual anointing of the Spirit of God on his life. King David desperately cried out to God not to take the Spirit away from him. He had a huge moral failure in his life where he... um, had an affair with Bathsheba. Uh, He manipulated events in order to kill her husband so that he could cover up his sin. So one sin led to another sin. He was lying about it. So he had all kinds of, he, 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 he broke most of the Ten Commandments all in a matter of a couple of weeks in this one issue of his life. And he was heartbroken when it all came out He was crying out to God. And in Psalm 51, we see his heart being expressed to God. And he says this in verses 10 to 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, and listen to this, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David had seen how the Spirit had left King Saul and when he sinned. And David sinned, and he is crying out to God. He's repenting, and he saying, Oh God, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. So those are two observations I, me- I want to make and point out to you in the Old Testament. Number one, that the Holy Spirit was not poured out on people universally. And number two, it wasn't a lifestyle. It wasn't a continuity or a continual experience. It was moments at times in people's lives. Okay, keep that in mind because now we're going back to the New Testament shortly. Now, the Old Testament also would prophesy that there would be a prophet like Moses that would come. And this this person was to be listened to and he would lead the people. And it was a picture of the Messiah. It's actually a prophecy of Jesus. And so we have some other prophecies of this Messiah, this prophet unto Moses that would come. Isaiah 11, 1 to 3 says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel And of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse, from David's lineage, is a prophesy, a prophecy of the Messiah who we know to be Jesus. So this prophecy is saying the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Isaiah 42 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Who is this? This is Jesus. God is speaking. Of course, in whom does he delight? We find out at Jesus' baptism when the Father says from from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is the one in, in order... Uh, To fulfill this, God says, I will put my spirit on him. And so we see in Matthew chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus in verse 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, just as the prophecy said and it says in a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. So we see the father speaking from heaven. We see the son, Jesus being filled with the spirit, the Trinity, all working together. Isn't that awesome? And so what Jesus does in Luke chapter four, verses 14, it says he returned to Galilee after this baptism in the power of the spirit, in the power of the Spirit, he comes to Galilee, and it says news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. This is his hometown where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So what I'm going to read to you now is the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. Jesus opens the scroll to Isaiah, chapter 61, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Did you hear that? (laughs) The Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. What's he going to say? How's he going to teach this? I wonder what's going to come next. They could feel the tension in the room, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it says, he began by saying to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Whoa. He just took credit for being the one upon whom the spirit of the Lord has anointed. The one who is called to proclaim freedom to the captives, healing to the blind, good news, to set the oppressed free. He's announcing he is the prophet like Moses. He is the one upon whom God has put his spirit to bring salvation to you and to me. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So now we're into the New Testament. We see all the Old Testament linked to the New Testament where all these old prophecies about the the chosen one would also experience this filling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is him. He is the one, and so he's now filled. So, I got a couple of observations I want to make with you about Jesus very quickly. Number one, Jesus started his ministry after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. We see this very clearly. There were no miracles in Jesus' life, no traveling from synagogue to synagogue until after this moment when he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. God spoke over him. He goes into the desert. He overcomes the temptation of the devil. He comes out of the desert filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the power of God, and then he begins to preach, teach, and heal everywhere he goes. And in John John 5.30, the second observation is this, that everything Jesus did was through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. John 5.30, Jesus said this very simply, by myself, I can do nothing. By myself, I can do nothing. So we see Jesus healing, Jesus saving, Jesus raising the dead, casting out demons, walking on the water. But Jesus says, by myself, I can do nothing. So what is he saying here? How did he do all of these things? The Bible makes it absolutely clear. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit in his life moving in him and through him, equipping him and empowering him to do these miracles of God. It was the Holy Spirit through him. Can't get any more clear than that. The third observation I want to make is this, that Jesus declared to his disciples that we would do the same things because we would be given the same Spirit. Now it's all coming together. This is all coming together. So now, Old Testament, Moments here and moments there with just a few people, mostly the leaders and the kings, the priests, the prophets, where the Spirit of God came upon people. But there would be one, the promised one, and upon whom the Spirit of God would come also. And Jesus shows up, and now he's living a perfect life in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, not doing anything of himself, but only as the Father is directing him, only saying as the Father is telling him what to say. But all that information he's getting is through the Holy Spirit. And so he is following the unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit as directed by the Father. And all of that outpouring power is coming through the agency of the Spirit of God. Not Jesus himself, but the Holy Spirit through him. And now Jesus says, you can do the same things I'm doing because you're going to have the same power. Oh, man. So John fourteen twelve, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Wow, that's incredible. John 14, 16 to 17, just a couple of verses later in the same dialogue, Jesus says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or comforter or counselor to help you and be with you forever. Just in case you don't know who that is, he says, the Spirit of Truth. This is the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it not, neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus says, I'm going to the, I'm going to the Father in heaven, I, you know, his role at that point in time was to be at the right hand of God, interceding for all of us. But he said, I'm going to ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will be with you and who will be in you. And through the Holy Spirit, you also will do the same things I was doing. But because there's all of you, you will do even greater or even more than what I was doing. Because the same power that's in me, the Holy Spirit, that I have demonstrated to you, living with you these last three and a half years, is now going to be made available to you. And you can live this life as well. Wow. In the next chapter, and this is probably all in the same dialogue, John 15, 4 to 5, Jesus says this But listen, here's the key remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. However, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus said too? Remember John 5:30 by myself I can do nothing and then he says to us by yourself you can do nothing you need to abide in me and of course that that uh, that understanding is and the holy spirit in which I am pouring out to you so it is not as as Rubbable was was reminded by the prophet Zechariah it is not by might it's not by power it's not by the arm of flesh it's not by your sweat it's not by your hard effort, it's not by your charisma, it's not by your ideas, it's not by your connections, it's not by your money, or your energy, or your strength. It is only by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit, fruitful life, a fruitful life, fruitfulness, only comes through the Holy Spirit. Wow, and so let's finish by bringing it home. Talk about the Old Testament, we talked about Jesus. We talked about Jesus talking to the disciples, who's, who, who's you and who's me. But here's what the Old Testament says about you and about me. In Isaiah chapter 44, 1 to 5, it says, But now listen, Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. This is what he says. Do not be afraid, Jacob. Now, when we're talking about Jacob, we're talking about Israel. We're talking about God's we're talking about ourselves. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Do you see God is already, through the prophet Isaiah, saying to the people, you may not be a king, you may not be a prophet, you might not be a priest, but I am going to pour my spirit upon you and your offspring. I'm going to fill that dry land of yours with water, streams of living water. Now, that's referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as a river of living water flowing out from within us, right? Welling up in John chapter 7, uh, 37. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19. The prophet Ezekiel, the Lord tells him to say this. I will give them an undivided heart. Give who? You and me, the children of God, an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God is saying this hundreds of years before Jesus even showed up, that he would put a new spirit in us. Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then we have one more awesome, powerful, bringing in all together prophecy we already quoted once before. It's Joel, the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. And afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Catch that. All. All. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so, just to summarize, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was not universal for all believers, but today it is. The prophet Joel says, I will do this to all people, pour out my spirit upon all people. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was not continual fellowship, but today it is. Jesus says, he will live with you and be in you. Jesus says, um, and he will be with you forever forever this isn't just a one-time thing or a, a special moment with God but this is a lifestyle in the New Testament era with the the, the the day of Pentecost is upon us we are not like the days of old in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people for certain moments but the Holy Spirit now is available to all people forever throughout every single moment of every day (laughs) and so we come back to this acts chapter 2 and from the moment that this happened we entered into what i'm referring to today as the day of pentecost the era in which everything has shifted From this moment on, the believers' lives were filled with the Holy Spirit, and signs, and wonders, and miracles, and power, and boldness, and courage, and wisdom filled their lives. Salvation broke out, and revival of mankind took place everywhere the believers went because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were following His leading. To live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, is to live a fruitful and a powerful life of impact. And God has designed you to partner with Him, to be filled with and to overflow with His presence. And this is what we're going to be learning about how to do in this series. How to have this dynamic fellowship with the Holy Spirit all the time for all of us as a lifestyle. Spirit living. How do I live my life with the guidance and the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit? How do I do that? Because that's what's possible now. This is the time that we're living in. A time where Pentecost is today. I'm going to close by repeating this passage out of Acts. When the people heard this and they said, what do we do, Peter? And he said this, in in verse 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen to this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you, it's for your children, and it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Today Call on the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Repent of living life on your own terms. Surrender your life to Him and receive by faith the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray right now for my friend that's watching this message that your Holy Spirit will come upon each and every one of us. You'll come upon my friend right now and fill them with power from on high. So they have the power to live the life you've called them to live. That you set them free from sin. That you heal their hurts and their wounds of the past. That you break chains of bondage off of their life. And they are changed into a new person through the power of your Holy Spirit. May you help them learn how to get their flesh out of the way and to live a life of fellowship and obedience to the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit in their life. May you fill them with power. May you speak to them in ways they've never known possible. May you cause their life to be fruitful and successful as they depend on you, as they abide in you, as they follow you. I pray this blessing on them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Call out to him. I hope that you continue to stick with us during this journey as we do this series, and that you get hungry for that river of living water in your life. So now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. The Lord bless you. Amen.